0: let's dive in to our message from 1 Peter, okay? So next Sunday, we will finish up our study of 1 Peter, but today, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5. You know, growing up, my view of 1 Peter was shaped so much by my youth minister, Roy McLeod. He loved this letter, and man, as we've been studying through 1 Peter this summer, like I've just grown in my love for 1 Peter as well. Uh, 1 Peter is a simple um, and to-the-point letter, and and so far we have seen from Peter, he lays out for us uh, how God has redeemed us through his son, Jesus. How Jesus bought us, he has cleansed us, he has fixed us, he has repurposed us, he has Uh, He has made us exiles living in a foreign land, even though the land that we live in uh, is our home. We are exiles because we are now citizens, not just of the United States, but we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So we are foreigners. We are exiles. Um, He is our Savior, and He is our King, and Jesus is also our example for living. And now he has taken us that were broken because of sin, and he is building us into something beautiful, something refined by fire, the fire of suffering and pain, as we've seen over the last couple of weeks. He's building us into something beautiful, into his bride, his church. We are like living stones being built together on our chief cornerstone, who is Jesus. Man up. We used to say that growing up, right? Most of the time when we were trying to get somebody else to do something dumb, right, like, hey, jump off that roof. Come on, man up, right? Or, why don't you want to go play in a hurricane? Come on, man up, right? Or, why don't you go and ask that girl out? Come on, man up, right? Now, all of those uh, examples are true about me, okay? So, just uh, just so you know, they sound kind of crazy, Uh, I was was pushed to say man up, right? Well, this morning, Peter is going to challenge us to man up or to step up, not to something dumb, but to something more. He's going to challenge us to step up and to take our role, to fulfill our commitment to God, his church, and to serving others around us. Not to show off not to prove that we are man or even woman enough, but because Jesus stepped up for us by humbling himself to serve our greatest need, dying to forgive our sins. And so Peter is going to say, because Jesus has stepped up, we too must step up. And so he starts here in 1 Peter chapter 5, With words for leaders. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me and open up to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to be in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table. We would love to give you a a copy of God's Word. Please take one as a gift from us if you don't own one. If you just need to borrow one, pick one up to read, uh, and then you can put it back out there when you get done. But if you don't own one, take one home with you. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 1 is where we're going to be at this morning you're looking for 1 Peter, it's almost at the very end of your Bible. It comes right after the book of James, right before 2 Peter. If you get to uh, the book of Revelation, um, then you have gone too far. So 1 Peter chapter 5, we're going to start there in verse 1. Read along with me. My mic cutting out still? Is it better? Okay, awesome. Read along with me. To the elders among you, I appeal as your fellow elder and witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds to God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those who are entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. I want you to imagine for a moment that after we get done here at worship, you go to Bojangles to eat lunch, okay? Um, And you walk in and the CEO of Bojangles is there serving your chicken. Be kind of strange, wouldn't it? Or imagine tomorrow you take your car to the dealership to get the oil changed, and the CEO of Ford or Chevy or Toyota is there changing your oil. That would be kind of kind of different, wouldn't it? It would be kind of strange, wouldn't it? have the CEO doing this uh, task that other people would normally do. How many of you guys have ever seen the show Undercover Boss? Is that even still on? Yeah? Okay. What, look, one of my favorite Undercover Bosses was actually not... Uh, a show from Undercover Boss, actually from SNL, when Kylo Ren went undercover in the first order. Oh, man, that was amazing, right? But the whole premise of that show is the CEO, the boss, comes and he, uh, he, he puts on a disguise and goes and does like the, the task that everyone else is doing, right? And, and it's entertaining because we, we don't expect that to happen. But the reality is, This is exactly what Jesus does. Not that he puts on a disguise, but Jesus, in John chapter 13, the night that he was going to be arrested and tried and the next day crucified, he's there in the upper room celebrating Passover with his closest friends. And in the middle of dinner, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Son of God himself, he gets up, he takes off his robe, and he puts a towel around his waist, and he gets down on his knees, and one by one, he washes his disciples' feet. Now, in this culture, um, washing of people's feet was something that the lowest of the servants in the house would do. right? Like if you were, if you were the newbie uh, on the job, that's the job that you got stuck with was washing everybody's feet. And uh, as disgusting as feet are now, um, they were even more so then. I mean, they wore sandals, they walked everywhere they went, their feet were nasty. And so it was a a sign of honor uh, when you were invited into somebody's home that they would wash your feet, they would have their servant wash your feet. But here we have Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, getting on his knees, and washing his friend's feet. Jesus, the master, the teacher, the great physician, the wonderful counselor, was also the humble servant. He is the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, as Peter points us to here, and he knows what it feels like to be the sheep. But Jesus shows us what great leadership looks like. He shows us that a great leader is someone who must lead from their knees. A great leader is somebody who leads from a position of humility. Now Peter addresses the role of the elder. Now for those of you who don't know, uh, the role of the elder within the church is a role and a responsibility that we're going to dive into here in just a, a little bit. But before we look at what that looks like within the church, Uh, The role of the elder actually didn't start within the church. Uh, We actually see this in the Old Testament. You see, Israel had been set free from captivity in Egypt, and they were uh, journeying through the the wilderness, going to the promised land, and Moses was leading the, the people of Israel at that time. And he was sitting in judgment from morning until evening. Right? So people would come and uh, they'd have questions about the law, about what God was telling them to do, about how they should interact with their neighbors and their family, and they would have disputes and all of those things. Because in Jewish culture, it wasn't just religious, uh, the, a re- a religious authority, but it was also political and social uh, and civil, and all those things were wrapped up into one. And so Moses was sitting and listening to people's problems and issues and conflicts, and he was casting judgment, and he was telling them what the law of God said and didn't say, and this is the things that you should be doing and don't be doing. And he was doing that all his, on, his, on his own, as well as being out front and leading the people through the wilderness. Um, and that was wearing on Moses. And so it was actually his father-in-law who came and said, hey, Moses, this isn't good for you or for the people. (laughs) You're going to wear yourself out, and you're going to wear them out as well. Why not entrust this information to reliable men who can sit and help you carry this burden? And so what we see is Moses, he established these elders of the the people of Israel. And, And then all throughout the rest of Israel's history in the Old Testament, we see Elders being a prominent place in the life of the people of Israel. We see in the Old Testament that they were friends of prophets in Second Kings 6. They were colleagues to princes and they were in the administration of the affairs of the nation. In every village, in every city, it had elders who would sit at the gates to the village or to the city, and they would judge over people's issues. They were a part of the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, that were over the people of Israel. They also uh, uh, were in charge of the administration at the synagogues, at the local synagogues in each town and village. The elders would preside over and see over the things to make sure that everything was being governed well and everything was in good order they also when needed exercised discipline over the people the elders were in the very fabric of judaism both in civil and religious dealings and then even outside of judaism we see it very common for there to be elders or people who are in responsibility now within the church we also see this throughout the church history. We see that eldership is a vital part of the church. In fact, Paul, when he would go to a new city and preach the gospel and lead people to Jesus and start a church in that city, uh, he would appoint elders to oversee that community of believers. Uh, in those churches, when Titus left Crete, he was instructed to ordain or to set aside elders in every city in every church that he went. The elders were in charge of the financial administration of the church. They were the ones that were uh, that actually sent Paul and Barnabas with uh, the money that was collected from the churches to carry them to Jerusalem to help meet the need that was caused by the famine that was taking place. We see the elders taking a leading part in the council in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15. And they helped discern that God was redeeming not just the Jewish people, but he was redeeming also non-Jewish people, the Gentile people as well. We see in in the book of Acts that the elders gave advice for a course of action for Paul in Jerusalem that he should follow after them. Paul submitted himself to the authority of the elders. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, submitted himself to the authority of the elders that were in Jerusalem. He sought their counsel and guidance from them. We find from the elders in the church of Ephesus that they were overseers of the flock of God, and they were defenders of the faith. Friends, elders within the church have a huge responsibility and a huge weight on their shoulder. Being an elder in the church is seldom easy, especially when, like the people that Peter was first writing to, when the church is suffering persecution like these churches that Peter wrote to. Oftentimes, elders uh, are the ones that receive the focus of slander and accusation from people. They're typically the ones that people point the fingers to when they're not happy about things going on. Got to get an amen from the back. (laughs)
1: We've
0: got got two of our elders sitting in the back corners while saying that. (laughs) Um, But I want you to notice how Peter addresses the elders here. Peter says... As your fellow elder, he says, Guys, I, I know that's tough. I know the weight that's on your shoulder because I too serve as one of you. I know what you guys are going through. Elders and leaders in the church alike carry a heavy responsibility and endure a lot of criticism. Now, here at Journey Church, we have four elders. Here at Journey Church, uh, Jimmy Hodges, Kevin Kaiser, Jeff Malt, and myself. We serve as the elders here. And we'll talk a little bit more about how we are structured as a church in our leadership in a little bit. But I want you to listen to how the writer of Hebrews tells us that we are to interact and treat our elders. In verse 17 of Hebrews 13, the writer says, Have confidence in your leaders. And submit to their authority. Because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. And I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. The writer of Hebrews tells us that we are to make the work of the elders a joy and not a burden. And friends, let me share with you, as one of your elders, you do this really well. It's a joy to be able to help lead you as a people. It is a joy to help guide you. As a people, and to help shepherd you as a people. You guys do an amazing job encouraging me as one of your elders, and I greatly appreciate that. Let me encourage you to also encourage our other elders as well. Man, send them a text just saying thank you. Check in on them. They, they don't serve. For this. They don't want they don't serve just to get your 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 gratitude, but man, it means so much and we should give that to them anyway. Send them a card and let them know how much you appreciate them. And then one of the greatest ways that you can 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 help our job and our responsibility to be a joy and not a burden is simply to invite us into your life. You see, there's no greater joy that we find as leaders when you trust us enough to call us in those big moments in your life. And we love being able to connect with you in those moments of joy, whether it's a wedding or the birth of a child or uh, or a celebration or any of those things. But we also find joy, not that we appreciate that you're going through suffering, um, but when you invite us to come alongside of you, when you're struggling. We, we are honored that we are the ones that you will call or text when, when, when you're facing that, that heartache, or when you're in the hospital, or when that family member is sick, uh, or when, when, when you've just been struggling with that sin, that, that we would be the ones that you would call or text or reach out to. And that, that means so much that you would trust us as your leaders. Journey Church, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for making our responsibility and our job not a burden, but a joy. We appreciate that so much. Let's dig into a little bit of what Peter tells us about elders here. So here in these four verses, Peter gives us three uh, words to describe what the role and responsibility of an elder is. And then he gives us three motivations to avoid as elders and three motivations to uh, look after as leaders in the church. Now if you didn't know this, the New Testament is written originally in the Greek language and we have reliable translations that we have here in English. And so Peter uses three Greek words here to describe the role and responsibility of the elder. The first word that we see there in verse 1 is translated for us in English as elder, but in Greek it's the word presbyteros. And this simply refers to someone uh, who not only is older, but also is mature in the faith and somebody who is respectable. Which is why in 1 Timothy chapter 3, when Paul gives Timothy kind of some requirements for the roles and responsibilities of an elder, they are to be somebody who is not uh, a, a, a recent convert. They are somebody to be that is somebody that is mature in the faith. That's his first word that Peter uses here, presbyteros, the word elder. The second word that Peter uses to describe the role and the work of the elder, we see in verse 2 as where he says, to shepherd God's flock. And this would reflect kind of that pastoral um, kind of function of the elder, somebody who is feeding and nurturing and protecting the people of God. And that's where we get that title uh, of pastor. Now, you'll notice here at Journey Church, I have that title of lead pastor, but I am just one of four pastors, right? Uh, pastor, elder, bishop, in the Bible, all of those things are kind of interchangeable for this role of the leaders of the church, the elders of the church. And so I have that title of lead pastor to distinguish that I am on staff and I do the majority of the teaching and that I help cast vision Uh, But I am just one of four. And, man, we have, as we've already began to point out, an amazing group of men who I get the privilege to serve alongside of uh, as our elders. Um, The third description that Peter uses here, um, we see as somebody who exercises oversight over the church. And that's the Greek word episkopos. And, And this describes the personal involvement in watching over the affairs of the church. And so we see these three terms and these three descriptions that Peter uses all for the same group of men, okay? Whether it is the the elder, the pastor, uh, or the overseer, uh, all of these things describe the work of the elders. But not only do we see these descriptions of the elders, but we also see see some motivations that the elders of the church should have. We see three motivations that they should avoid and three motivations that they should adopt. First, uh, Peter says here, the elders are to lead not because they must, but because they are willing. Not because they must, but because they are willing. Back in 1 Timothy chapter 3, not only does Paul give us the qualifications for elders, but Paul uh, starts that list of qualifications for elders, and the very first one is that the, the man has a desire for that role and that responsibility. If we have to twist somebody's arm for them to serve as an elder, then they are not qualified to serve as an elder. They must have a desire to serve in that role. They must do so, not because they must, but because they are willing to do. If they aspire to be that, they must have a desire to serve as an elder. They must lead because uh, they are willing and not because they must. The second thing that Peter says here should not be a motivation is that uh, an elder should not lead out of greed but out of an eagerness to serve. Now we see a common practice throughout the New Testament that uh, the elders uh, who are serving uh, and devoting themselves fully to ministry uh, are able to be compensated for their time, that that is able to be their job. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Galatians 6, 1 Timothy chapter 5. But leaders, whether it's pastors, elders, leaders at all in the church, should never continue to serve if the only reason that they are serving is out of greed, whether that is greed for money or greed for power. Men who have served with this motivation have and continue to destroy the church. The church is torn down by men who are led by greed and not by eagerness to serve. So an elder must not be led by greed but have an eagerness to serve. And then third, Peter says, lead not through the power of your position but through the influence of your example. Don't lord it over people who are entrusted to your care is what Peter says here. But set such a compelling example in how you are as a follower of Jesus that the people who are entrusted to your care are eager to follow your example, not because they are pushed by your power and position. Friends, let me tell you what I have seen through the men that I get the honor to serve alongside of. What I have seen through our elders, through Jimmy and Jeff and Kevin, these are men who are mature in the faith. These are men who have wisdom and discernment that is from God, and they are a blessing to our leaders here at Journey Church. They are a group of men who are deeply concerned with feeding and nurturing and protecting the people of God that have been placed under their care. From the infants all the way to the oldest adults that we have under our care here. They lead not out of greed, but out of an eagerness to serve God and to serve his church. Week in and week out, you will find these men leading not only their families, but you will find them leading life groups. You will find them teaching on Sunday morning. You will find them literally on their knees serving in our kids' ministry. You will find them cleaning toilets. You will see them in the heat, in the cold, in the rain uh, welcoming us as they come in. You will see them pulling the trailer week in and week out. They have sought not not what men desire, but they have sought what God desires for his church. And they are an amazing blessing for us. They are an encouragement for me. They hold me accountable. And they push me to become a better leader. So, men, I thank you for the honor it is to serve beside you. Church, as I said, they don't uh, serve for your thanks. But let's give it to them anyway. Can we say thank you? Amen. What an honor. What an honor. Men who aren't elders, I'm speaking to you now. Maybe this morning, God is beginning to put in your heart, maybe he's beginning to plant a seed that maybe will grow, maybe not in the next month, but maybe in the next year or a couple of years, a desire to help carry this responsibility and lead and serve as one of the elders of Journey Church. And if so, here's what I ask of you. I ask that first, you will begin to earnestly pray and seek God's direction in this. And then secondly, I encourage you to not just read, but to study God's Word. Go and study 1 Timothy chapter 3. Go and study Titus chapter 1. Go and and read back and study over these verses that we have just looked at here in 1 Peter. Go back to Leviticus and, and Exodus and look at how Moses established the elders there. And go and study God's word. And if God is still leading you to pursue this opportunity to serve and this responsibility to serve, then come and talk to one of us. Because we would love to begin to pray with you. And to study with you and to come alongside of you as you seek God's direction. But you know, for all of us, Peter's words here to elders are really words to us too, right? You know, when we look at the qualifications for elders in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we read through all that list of things, and we're like, yeah, all the elders have to have these things. Really, they're things that all of us should have, right? If we are followers of Jesus, All of us should have these types of things. And this advice is for anyone who is in leadership within the church that we should take to heart. In fact, John Mitchell says this, that great leaders are men in all fields who have not been arrogant and the greedy, but the servants. The real servants are the true nobility. The greatest of all, the Son of God himself declared that he has come not to be served, but to be a servant and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, all of us who lead, whether it's in an official role or whether we lead just with our example, or it's just within our family, we are to clothe ourselves with humility. And that's exactly what Peter says next. Look at verse 5. He says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. So Peter says, younger men, submit yourselves to your elders. Older men, older women, I ask that you would set examples for the younger to follow. You know, we often say here that we need each other because we are better together, and we mean that truly. We need each other. Whether you are young or old, we need you. We need your example. We need you to show us what it means and what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. We need to see your example of what it looks like to be a mother and to be a father and to be a husband and to be a wife and how you lead your family. And so I encourage you, if you are older, grab somebody who's younger. and Begin to show them. Maybe even just from your mistakes. (laughs) How to be a follower of Jesus. How to be a husband who loves their wife. How to be a wife who submits herself to her husband. Come alongside of them and show them how to pray. And how to read the Bible. And how to study God's word and how to live for them. If you're younger, I encourage you to reach out to somebody who's older. And say, hey, can we grab coffee on a regular basis? Can we grab lunch? And I just want to learn from you. I just need to to learn from your example and, and learn from what you have done. Learn from their wisdom and their experience. And Peter says, all of us are to clothe ourselves in humility. The Greek word that Peter uses literally means to tie humility around you. And so I I begin to wonder if, as Peter is pinning these words to clothe yourselves in humility, to tie yourselves in humility, if Peter's mind was going back to that night. That the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords gets up and ties humility around his waist. And one by one washes his friend's feet. And I wonder if Peter was, was thinking about that when Jesus came to him and he says, No, Jesus, you aren't to wash my feet. I'm to wash your feet. And Peter said, Jesus says, Peter, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. And then Peter says, well, Why are you going to stop my feet then? Let's go ahead and wash the whole body, <laughs> you know? And uh, Peter's like, uh, I mean, Jesus says, No, you're already clean, right? I wonder if Peter was going back to that night as he pins these words to tie humility around your waist i wonder if he was remembering when the master became the servant when he got down on his knees and he served his friends need by washing their feet friends there's a church building in palestine and this is a a picture of it but the doorway is so low that you actually have to stoop To go down into this church building. And it was actually made that way so that during the time uh, raiders couldn't ride their horses into the middle of worship. and, uh, and, And disrupt worship from going on. But they call this doorway now the humility gate. Because you have to stoop down to go inside. Well Peter, he tells us to man up. To step up by stooping down. He tells us to step up by humbling ourselves. He tells us to step up by serving others. And this takes us humbling ourselves. This takes us setting aside our kingdom and beginning to seek God's kingdom above our own. Now here at Journey Church we say it like this. We say that we follow the example of Jesus who sacrificed self for the hurting, the needing, and the lost. We put our faith into action and mobilize to help our community, even when we are called to sacrifice and suffer to care for their needs over our own. And friends, this is called leadership. This is what our leader has done. This is what our Chief Shepherd, the Good Shepherd, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, has done for us. And this is what he's called us to do for others. To step up by stooping down. To serve from our knees. To lead from humility. So what is the next step for you? Maybe... Maybe the next step for you is stepping up into a leadership role, maybe as an elder. Maybe it means to step up for you to move into ministry full time. Maybe that's what God is calling you to do. Maybe God is calling you to step up to begin leading a life group here at Journey Church. Or to begin leading in serving in a ministry here At Journey Church, maybe God is calling you to step up to lead your family, to lead your spouse and your children. Maybe God is calling you to step up by humbling yourself. I want to encourage you to begin to ask yourself honestly, am I being self-centered or am I being Christ-centered? Maybe for you, stepping up today means that you need to start praying for our church and start praying for our leaders. Maybe you stepping up is to become an encourager for our leaders. Maybe you stepping up is stopping to trust in yourself and starting to trust in God by casting all of your anxieties on him. Maybe, though, the way that you need to step up is by humbling yourself for the first time and submitting yourself over to God by repenting of your sins and meeting him in baptism. I want you to know that Jesus stepped up for you. He served your greatest need when he went to the cross to pay for your forgiveness. And it's through his resurrection that he now offers you forgiveness. If you would come and humble yourself to him. If you would come and say, God, I need you. If you would come and die to yourself, and die to your sins through repentance, and be buried with Jesus in baptism. If you're ready to do that today, I'm going to be out in the lobby. I would love to talk with you today. All of us. Clothe yourselves in humility. Let's step up by stooping down. Let's step up by leading from humility. We pray with me. Father, we thank you for the example that we have through your son of what it means to follow you through humility, what it means to serve others by humbling ourselves. And Father, we thank you for the examples that we have right in front of us through our elders, men that you have equipped, guided, and led, who lead us. And show us, not just with their words, but with their examples, what it means to follow you and what it means to serve others. Father, as your church, we are blessed because of them. Father, I pray for the seeds that are being planted in people's hearts right now, that you will begin to grow our next generation of leaders who will lead your church following the example of your son and following the example of our elders that we have here. Father, would you give them the courage to step up into the roles and commitment to you and to your church and to serving others? Would you give them the courage to step up by humbling themselves. Father, would you open up our eyes to see the opportunities that you place before us to humbly serve the needs of those around us, even if that means that we have to sacrifice and suffer to care for them. Father, help us to follow Jesus' example and help us to clothe ourselves in humility. Father, we ask all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.